Hey everybody, welcome back to the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. This is your host, Dave Stovall. Today we've got Donnie Williams, Brandon Gendon, and our point leader, Bobby Harrington, in a conversation around intentionality and making disciple makers. Bobby engages Donnie and Brandon on various topics, such as the need for change, the importance of alignment in church culture, and practical ways to have a biblical worldview and to disciple others. If you haven't listened to the episode before this one, episode 14, make sure you skip back to that and listen because you may be a little bit lost at the beginning of this Q&A session. So go do that and then come back and join us for this episode. All right, y'all, I hope that you enjoy this episode. Let's dive in and hear from Donnie, Brandon, and Bobby. Here we go. All right, I want to be a part of this changing the 6%. Sign me up. Let's do it. Brandon? I, I loved... Um, I, you know, we've been, we've done a few of these now over this week and I love how, uh, Donnie continues to point to the future. Um, we can spend a lot of time reflecting on what's went wrong and, and, uh, the, you know, different things that gosh, I wish that was different, but you know, that principle you talked about that we could trace our ancestry all the, all the way back there. And that somebody 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now hundred years from now to trace back to what we do today. Um, that was very inspiring. And I, I think that, um, we have to think that way. Uh, there's a notion within the church and, and I've heard it in my church that, uh, you know, if we could just get back to the good old days, well, first off were the good old days really that good. Um, we always remember things with sometimes rose colored glasses, but also, um, it's, we got to lead forward. Um, and lead in the culture and lead right now today and move forward, look forward. So those, those things were really great. One of the things that Brandon has, uh, written a lot on, and, uh, I think it really leads well on is this concept of alignment. So, uh, in the first part here, I want to focus on, uh, for those of you who are church leaders, and then we're going to shift to just every one of us about uh, being disciples and making disciples and making sure that we're going to be people who are deeper and that we're uh, not only discipling lost people, but we're di- discipling the saved so that they really have this biblical worldview. But a church culture is super important in that whole thing. And a church culture that is an aligned culture is the most effective culture. It's where everybody knows A, what they believe and B, how they do things and see why they do what they do. And uh, Brandon, will you talk to us a little bit about the four avenues or the four tracks of alignment? Yeah, I think we can uh, connect it to what uh, Tina said earlier today, uh, you know, from the John 17, Jesus's prayer He's praying for unity. Uh, Father, Phil, be one as we are one. Uh, it says, and the whole world will come to know me. We can, we can have lots of great um, outreach programs but our greatest outreach program, according to Jesus, is loving one another, being unified. That's how we're going to reach the world. And so we've tried to focus on four areas that we see the early church um, uh, was aligned in. And I, the first of that is, is that we have a, a theological alignment. You, you have to have theological alignment within your leadership of the church, within your staff, um, that you're all going in the same direction that, that you are all aligned there. 
Um, second is a philosophical alignment. Um, and I would even put into some of the philosophical is we define terms in our church. So we have a definition of a disciple. Bobby had said that earlier. We use Matthew 4.19 um, as that the, the definition is in the invitation. So you define your terms, your philosophical alignment that of how you're going to do groups and those, those kinds of things. So there's theological, philosophical. Can I stop you yeah. just for a yeah. second here? Because uh, philosophical can be something like it threw me off. Uh, we all, we all have churches that have philosophical assumptions. So the, the traditional church that Donnie talked about, here's the philosophical assumption. Philosophical assumption is if we just bring them into church, then, uh, the, the preaching, the praise and worship and the programs would, we're going to change people. Okay. That's a philosophical approach. Brandon is saying actually in their church and the same would be true in, in our church. And it's what we're advocating is intentional, relational disciple-making is our philosophy. And the philosophy is so well integrated. We have descriptions of everything, terms, so that we all are on the same page. What do we mean philosophically? Yeah, exactly. So incredible clarity and unity around that. So theological, philosophical, next is relational alignment that you are relationally aligned on your team, that you fight for relationship, that, you know, on, on my team, uh, I don't, you don't quit, take your ball and go home when you get your feelings hurt. We're going to work through it relationally and, and, and be committed um, to each other. And then finally is organizational alignment. So how the organization is structured. So in our church, we have, we have a partnership class. We have how our eldership structured, how our staff is structured. And we're unified in that. And so that we have those four key areas so that we can, uh, move together in a really clear, uh, clear way and, and have unity on the team. Let me, uh, describe to you why, what Brandon just said is so important. If, if we really want to be disciples who make disciples, there are so many things that can get us off track. It's like, we're all going down the highway and at the end of the highway, it's, we want to be disciples and make disciples. Well, let's just have theological divisions kind of get us off track here. And uh, we're going to chase this thing and that thing and the other thing. And the next thing you know, it's like nobody's going anywhere. Or uh, what about philosophically? This guy thinks, oh, we ought to ser focus on service to the poor and needy. This guy says, no, we need to have a smoke machine and the best rock band you can imagine. This other guy goes, no, more Bible classes, more Bible classes. And again, what happens is you want to be disciples who make disciples, but you got Somebody got you off the highway where you're going to end up. Or how about this one? How about conflict, relational conflict? One of the first things that's going to happen in any church that makes a shift to Jesus-style disciple-making, where we're getting closer to each other, where we actually know what's going on in, in each other's lives because it's intentional, relational disciple-making, is that I get to know your sin nature and you get to know my sin nature. And when you get two people who get closer together with a sin nature, guess what happens? The word is conflict. How are we going to deal with conflict? How are we going to deal with, hey, I'm discipling you, but I don't like you. So uh, how are we going to deal with it when we, we, we want to talk about things, we want to be up front, but we don't know the rules of the game? So like in our church, we, we literally uh, map out, here's how you follow Matthew 18. If you have a conflict with somebody, you go to them directly. You don't go to your five best friends. 
you go to that person. Here's how we work through uh, conflicts and forgiveness, and then organizationally, where everybody's clear on the leadership structure of the church. Donnie, I'm going to let you jump in on this, and then we're going to transition. Yeah, I, so when it comes to alignment, if you do nothing, you won't be aligned. So you have to work towards alignment. It, you got you to gotta have effort to be aligned because by nature, everybody's going to have their own agenda. Getting everybody aligned is difficult. It can be painful, but you will never have momentum in your church or organization without alignment. Like if you're wondering, why aren't we gaining momentum? One of the first places to look is, are we all aligned as leaders? Are we all moving in the same direction? That means you might have to lose staff. You might have to lose leaders. You might have to lose friends uh, and, and people might go out the door. However, once alignment is created, you will start to feel momentum. We went through a 12-month process and a couple staff didn't make it. Uh, a, a small number of, of leaders didn't make it and just couldn't get aligned. Nobody was mean or nasty. They were nice and kind and peaceful, but they, they could no longer be on the team. And so it's hard to get alignment, but if you're a leader, you have to fight for it. You have to work for it because alignment requires confrontation. Nobody likes confrontation. If you do like confrontation, you're probably not very pleasant of a person. It requires a confrontation to get alignment. And if you're not willing to do that, you're going to miss out on some momentum that God could be bringing your way. I, and I would add to it is... Once you have that alignment, especially from as a senior pastor or, or in an eldership, it is a daily fight to maintain Amen. it. Amen. You don't you don't have it. Okay, we're good. Check the box. Now let's go. I I, I tell my elder staff this all the time. Trying to lead in this is like loading monkeys on a flatbed. You throw five <laughs> on, two are trying to drive, two are on swinging from a tailpipe. You got to load right. It's constant work of keeping that alignment and going. And the moment when you think it's all good, you got to go back in and check because you probably have somebody that's off track. And so it is a constant, diligent effort. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to uh, transition us now. Uh, I want to talk to each of us about some practical things that we can do just in terms of uh, making sure that we're being discipled in a biblical worldview and we are discipling others in a biblical worldview. I'd like to set in context what Donnie said about this. Um, Tim Keller, actually, I like the way Tim Keller put it. He said the average person is inside their social media bubble seven to eight hours a day. There is no way one hour on Sunday morning is going to counteract that discipling. Chris Harper of Better Man was with us a few weeks ago. He said, the average Gen Z listens to four to six hours of podcasts alone to say nothing about Instagram and Snapchat and all that. So how are we going to do this? Well, here's, uh, I think, uh, I, I'm going to recommend a, a, what I think is an important thing to do, and then I'd like you guys to jump in. <clears throat> so as a disciple of Jesus, I want to make sure that I'm feeding my mind with the word of God. I need to be in scripture every day. I need to have disciplines where I'm in scripture every day. And I need to encourage those I'm discipling to be in scripture every day. 
There is no substitute for the Word of God. The Word of God is more powerful than any other voice that's out there. The Word of God helps me so much to define reality. Because when I listen to the Word of God, when I read the Word of God, all of a sudden, my mind, I'm realigned. And there is such a difference between daily time in the Word of God and not having daily time in the Word of God. So that's one of the takeaways I want to encourage us, not just for ourselves, but for those we're discipling. Brandon? Yeah. So um, thank you. I, I think um, one of the tools that we have used um, was started way back um, by Avery Willis and some of the um, groups at the International Orality Network, ION, used in the foreign mission field. Um, I think um, it's a tool that we've continued to use here, and that is the use of storying uh, through scripture. And and being able to, um, we use that in almost all of our small groups. Um, and I've, I've been in the argument with church leaders, well, that's not teaching the Greek and that's not teaching. Well, there's multiple tools that you use, but I'll say this, when your church learns all 437 stories in scripture, then let's talk about them, you know, parsing Greek. Um, you know, I, I, again, I'm not against those things. I think there's multiple things, but one of the tools that we have used practically in people's hands to be great disciple makers is teaching them and learning how to story through the scriptures and learning the stories. And I've seen that just as a very powerful, effective, uh, uh, practical tool to, to use. And so that's one that we use in discipling people, um, is a storying methodology. Yeah. The question from the audience, Brandon, would you give an example of storying? Yeah. So really fast, what, what we do is we'll go into small group. I've got a group of five guys and let's say the story that we're going to do that week is the story of David and Goliath. Okay. I'm going to tell the story as close to the scripture as I possibly can, as word for word as I can. I'm not going to stop and teach on it. I'm not going to, I'm going to let the word of God stand for the word of God. And I'm going to tell the story before I tell the story, I'm going to ask them a question to be thinking about as you go, as I go through the story. Uh, where did you where, think about where you'd be standing when you hear this story? Uh, what was, what's most impactful? I get them engaged in the story. I tell them the story. Then when we're done, we rebuild the story. Well, what happened first? Well, what had happened here? Well, what did David do? Well, what did Saul say? What did, and I'll, and I'll go right through the story where we rebuild it. Then I ask one of them in the group, can you tell the story? They will tell it back. And the whole group will always, the guys will clap and they cheer and, and right. We've been through the story three times in a matter of about 30 minutes and the guys will, will, they'll memorize the stories and, and it's, and then we will read it when we're done to see if we missed or added anything. So every, when I lead a group like that, we'll go through the story four times. They will have memorized it. You find me another way to get somebody to memorize scripture faster than that. And I'll have men look at me and say, I've had this happen so many times over the years, I, I've lost count. Where guys will look at me, moms and dads, and say, I feel, I, can, I feel like I can disciple my kids. I'll use this to disciple my kids. So that's how we do it. Donnie? You say disciple my kids. That, that made me think of right now, and if you're a, a lead pastor, especially the guy that gets up and teaches every week, I'd like to know afterwards if you get this question a lot, because the number one question I get right now is from parents is asking a lot of different ways, but what they're asking is how can I raise my kids 
to, to love Jesus, to be able to discern culture. And sometimes they say, how do I disciple my children? I don't even know how to do it. And so uh, we're doing that through the group, uh, a couple group methods, but we're also, uh, we're kicking off the year. We have a series starting called Bible, Bible 101. And we're going through the basics because I'm really convicted over this 6% number. How can we change that? And so we're thinking, well, how can we change it from the stage? How can we change it in groups? And how can we change it individually? And so the way it's going to happen from the stage, Tina Wilson, who, uh, she's still here, uh, who you heard earlier, she's going to teach with us in that series. She's going to be the first week in January, uh, the January 7th. And, uh, she's going to be talking about the value of stepping into scripture. And then we're going to have the rest of the messages will be about, well, how do you know you can trust the Bible? Where'd the Bible come from? Uh, how's it laid out? Just real like Bible 101 questions, because if people knew those answers, more people would have a biblical worldview. So we're just going to go back to 101 and start. How can you trust the Bible over any other work of history? Thanks so much for listening to the episode today, everybody. I'm very excited to announce that we are taking a break from the track sessions from the city tour, and we're jumping into some fresh interviews for you featuring various speakers and partners within the discipleship.org network. So kicking it off, we're going to be talking about how culture eats strategy for breakfast. We've got Bart Shaw, Renee Sproles, along with our point leader, Bobby Harrington. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already to this channel, because we're getting going in the year 2024 with some awesome new material. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Disciple Makers podcast, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of this wonderful day. We'll see you.